I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Marty Harding, and welcome back to another episode of Animation and Beyond. Yes, and on this episode, we're talking about a fun, interesting kind of topic, the Pixar theory. That's right. You may have heard of this before, but it's a pretty developed theory started by John Negroni about the links between Pixar movies and how they all might exist in the same universe and even on the same planet. Yeah, I know, a really interesting one, too. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that today. But in order to understand the Pixar theory, we're going to do a word of the day. What's our word of the day, Ezra? It's Easter egg. That's right, and it's not Easter egg probably in the sense that most people know the word Easter egg, meaning the eggs that are often decorated and then hidden for Easter egg hunts as part of a tradition and unaffiliated celebration of the Christian holiday Easter. Yeah, it's not that kind of Easter egg you know. Right. We're talking about Easter eggs in the sense of hidden references or inside jokes that are placed in the background of films. I know, yeah. When did you first learn about an Easter egg in the movie sense, Ezra? Oh, um, for instance, like when I was a kid watching old Disney and Pixar films and I found hidden secrets. For instance, in every Pixar movie except The Incredibles, there's the Pizza Planet truck. Yes, that's a great example. And that relates to Pixar. So the Pizza Planet truck reappears consistently across all of the movies, and it's therefore an Easter egg. Yep, that's right. Now... I have to mention that there are a couple of theories about where this term came from, and one of them is really fun. Do you know the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show, Ezra? Yeah, I've heard of it. So one of the theories about the term Easter egg is that the cast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show was set loose on an Easter egg hunt before the filming of the movie started, where they hid eggs around the sets, and not all of them were found. So they're actually still hidden eggs in the background of the Rocky Horror Picture Show movie, which is kind of fun. The other theory is about a video game designer who, as a joke for himself, created a little message for those who were playing his video game and who clicked on the right pixel on the computer screen. A secret message would show up, and he likened it to an Easter egg hunt for the players of the game. I see, I get it, yeah. Yeah, so both of those theories kind of introduce the idea of something being hidden or known about only to a certain population and that make the media consumption a little bit more exciting. I see, yeah. What are some other classic Easter eggs that you can think of aside from Pixar ones, Ezra? Like in Disney animated movies, for instance, like references to other characters like Sebastian from The Little Mermaid in Aladdin or Scar from the Lion King and Hercules, or Rapunzel and Eugene in Frozen. Yeah, yeah. And they can also be references to things within the movie itself. For example, you know the director Alfred Hitchcock? Yeah. He often liked to appear in his own movies, and that would be considered an Easter egg. Same thing with how there's a Starbucks cup in every scene of the movie Rocky. Or A113 is in every Pixar film, as well as in a few other films made by Disney Animation. Cool, yeah. So consistent appearances of objects or people can also count as Easter eggs as well. Yeah. Do you have a favorite 
Easter egg, Ezra? Well, one example of one I really love is the Pizza Planet truck. I especially love because the Cars movies have living vehicles. They made it anthropomorphized. They did. That's right. So they were adding to a past Easter egg, which is very clever. Yeah. They had to adapt that Easter egg to the film in which vehicles were animate. Yeah, that's right. Cool. So Easter eggs are a really fun term to know because you can use them to reference anything you spot in your favorite films. That's a reference or a inside joke or even just something intentional that was placed in the film for people to better understand. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Cool. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our feature presentation. Yeah, I'm ready. So, the Pixar theory. It was started by John Negroni, who is a YouTuber, In 2013. Yeah, in 2013. Explain, Ezra, what the Pixar theory is generally. An unofficial fan theory about how each of the films most likely exist in the same universe and how there's a timeline of them and there are ones that exist in the past or in the present day or all the way in the future. Yeah, and every Pixar film has been placed by fans along this timeline And the conditions of those films are explained in the context of the conditions of all of the other films. Yeah, that's right. So go through the timeline quickly, Ezra. The one, the first one in the timeline would be Brave. That's right. Set during the Middle Ages in Scotland. That's right. And as the official starter, which for the record, the good dinosaur now exists before Brave, but in Brave, magic is discovered. Yeah, I know. And magic allows objects and animals to be sentient and also humans to time travel. Yeah, but I would think the first in the good and the Pixar theory would be the good dinosaur, even though it came out like three and a half years after Brave. Mm hmm. What comes next? Then I think The Incredibles and Incredibles 2. In which the world is saved by superheroes. And they're set in the 1950s and 60s. Mm hmm but with a futuristic kind of take with modern technology. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, the theme of the development of technology in this alternate universe is really consistent throughout the Pixar theory. Mm. What comes next? Um, then after both Incredibles movies is Luca. Luca. What comes next? Like it's set sometime in the 1950s or 60s. Then the first Toy Story movie in 1995, which is the year it came out. In which we clearly see that toys are animate and they have these connections and relationships to humans where they draw energy from and they have an emotional attachment to humans, as we see. Yeah, I see. Interesting. What comes next? Then Toy Story 2. Like, both in this timeline was the first two uh, Toy Story movies. That's right. And in Toy Story 2, the animals are, or the toys are coming to understand their relationship to humans in a deeper way because there's this sense of betrayal, meaning that humans have some obligation to the toys. Yeah, I know. And then after Toy Story 2 is Finding Nemo and Dory. No, actually just Finding Nemo. Dory is later. In which we see 
you know, not only the state of the world in terms of pollution and humans' impact on it, but we also see that animals are highly developed and have their own communities and understandings of the world, and they're able to see what humans are doing wrong. Even like when Marlon goes on his journey with the hilarious and forgetful Dory to look for his son. Yes. During that whole plot line, we're seeing lots of different hints at what humans are up to during that time. Yes, and then Ratatouille, which came out four years after Finding Nemo in 2007. And Ratatouille is also an animate animal who has a understanding of humans' impact on the world. He's highly developed and learns from humans so much so that he becomes a better cook than a lot of humans. <laughs> yeah, I see. Then, uh, then I think Turning Red, which came out earlier this year, which takes place in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Which again plays with those themes of how technology is developed and then also how people can be of relation to one another and how our understanding of ourselves impacts how we treat others. Yeah, that's right. Then Toy Story 3 and Up are the next ones. That's right. And there's a huge Easter egg in Up, which is that the company who is developing the homes, which is the catalyst for the plot of Up, is the same corporation that produced the Toy Story toys. And then after those is Inside Out, where there's a young girl named Riley who has different colored emotions and are different shapes, sizes, and colors and represent different feelings. Mm-hmm. And we get a whole nother look at what might be those emotions driving human behavior. Yeah, I know. And then after Inside Out, I think, was Finding Dory. The sequel to Finding Nemo, where it focuses on Dory going on her adventure to look for her long-lost parents. That's right. And we see the continuation of themes that we saw in Finding Nemo. Yes, I know. And then Toy Story 4, which is set like a few years after Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. And it introduced the new unique Forky character who Bonnie created. And then Coco, which was set in Mexico and about Day of the Dead. That's right. And talks about what happens after death for humans and our understanding of souls. And, and then Soul, which came out a few years, at, just a few years after Coco, and about jazz teacher Joe Gardner, who lives in New York City, who wants to be in a jazz band, and then he becomes a soul by mistake. That's right. And that movie also talks about what happens after death for humans. Yeah, and I thought it had, it was like Coco crossed with Inside Out. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And then after Soul, there are the three Cars movies in the 22nd century. Wait, I think you're missing one there, Ezra. What? Wally. No, I think um, Wally is after Cars. I'm pretty sure Wally comes before Cars because Wally shows how the planet became unlivable for humans and humans left the planet. And that's why it's the Cars universe where Cars are the only or the primary animate machine. And it's kind of a Cars world. Yes, I know. And it was really cool. And I like how they did anthropomorphized vehicles in those three movies and but there weren't any humans in them i know i know i like that i like that there were no humans just anthropomorphized inanimate objects which were all vehicles yeah so that would have to exist after wally when all of the humans are sent away on a giant ship because the planet is unlivable for them 
I know. And then cars, automobiles, I know would take over as an interesting theory. And I like that they made inanimate objects living things. Yeah, it was cool. The Cars movies are great. And then after that, a bug's life. Showing that in the new world, after life has been achieved again on planet, on the planet, bugs become a much more developed species. They live for longer than they actually do here. And they have whole systems of communities and beliefs just like humans did. Yes, and I know, and I liked how they had some hilarious, colorful bug characters. Definitely. I know. The cast of characters in that film is really fun. And then and then Onward, and then both of the Monsters films. That's right. So Monsters, Inc. shows the development of animals far, far, far in the future to be extremely complex and at this point humans have returned back to earth but there is an obvious separation between the animals that have developed which are the monsters and humans which the monsters are trying to explore and preserve yes and the monsters live in their own world and they're different shapes sizes and colors yeah exactly but the humans coexist in another realm yeah once again i know and then both for Monsters, Inc. and its prequel movie, Monsters University. Oh, and Onward is for that as well, where there were like elves and trolls and ogres and dragons and fantasy creatures. All meant to be part of the heightened development of animals. Because as the good dinosaur would show us, there actually was no extinction of the dinosaurs. Animals just continued to evolve naturally, which is why they get to that point of being the monsters in Monsters, Inc. I know. And there you have it. That's the whole progression of the Pixar theories timeline. And then there's the epilogue, like another theory that the witch in Brave is actually Boo from Monsters, Inc. Yeah, so this is a key component. Proponents of the Pixar theories say that the Easter eggs left in Brave and few of the other movies indicate that Boo, the little girl from Monsters, Inc., grew up to be the witch from Brave and figured out how to time travel using magic. And she is bouncing around all of the time periods in the Pixar world in these movies, trying to look for Sully. Yeah, the, the furry blue monster, yeah. Whom you can see a etching of in one scene of Brave. Yeah, I remember, yes. And there was even a Brave Easter egg, like carified versions of the characters in one scene of Cars 2. Which characters? I think the main characters like Merida, her mother, her father, and the triplets. Cool. So characters from past movies showing up in newer movies and the same corporation making the toys, mowing down the housing up, and ultimately being responsible for everything that happens in Wally. Or like how the automobiles, like cars take over, like how Lightning McQueen takes over and things like that. Yeah. In this theory, it's all connected, and it's all showing the timeline of this universe. And I forgot to mention Lightyear, the latest Pixar movie. I um, I wonder how that would fit in the Pixar universe, like probably in the future part. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Lightyear, is it the prequel of... I guess, but it's also set in the future behind the toy, but it's a good question where it would go in the, in the, in the timeline theory, because it's only Pixar's newest movie. Yeah, and so with every new Pixar movie, fans are having to 
you know, place things in the chronological order that we have established that we just described to you. Yeah. And there are some diehard fans of the Pixar theory. I mean, if you look it up, there are some people who know it back and forth and can prove it to you using scenes and references and images. It's really cool. I know. Cool. So, Ezra, anything else you want to say about the Pixar theory? This is an unofficial, fan-made, yet fun and interesting theory about each of all, all of Pixar's films. That's right, and it's always being added to. It hasn't really been formally addressed by Pixar or Disney, which means it's really left up to the fans, which makes it even better, in my opinion. I forgot to mention also there's the the tree, like the tree that was seen in A Bug's Life and also in Toy Story 2 and Up is believed to be the same tree. Of course, yeah. If you look at the images of it, it does look very similar. So these are all Easter eggs that contribute to the Pixar theories formation. I know. Cool. So let's jump into trivia, shall we? Yes. Last week's trivia question was about Schoolhouse Rock. Um, what, what, who parodied the song Three is the Magic Number? And the answer is? It's Jack Johnson, yes. Called the Three R's for the album that promoted the Curious George movie, released in 2006. That's right. And the Three R's was a great song. It talked about reduce, reuse, and recycle, and went mostly to the tune of Three is the Magic Number, which was really clever. He also did Upside Down, which was he did for the Curious George movie from that same album. He did. Another excellent song by Jack Johnson. And so for this week, we're going to ask a question about the Pixar theory. What should it be, Ezra? What is the name of Pixar's very first short film that features the iconic ball that appears in many of Pixar's feature films and shorts? If you think you know the answer, be sure to listen in next week to confirm. Thank you for listening to this episode of Animation of Beyond, and we'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Goodbye.